Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. Gotta take your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined tonight with co host. Trey Patterson, hope you had a great week. Wasn't too great Monday night. If you're a Kentucky fan out there, we're going to talk about the national championship game, what it means for both programs going forward, what it means for college basketball just for this coming up year. I mean, there's already preseason polls out there, Trey, and I'm not ready to go predict any kind of preseason poll just yet. I don't know about you. Well, it's kind of hard to say, but, I mean, I'll tell you, it looks like uh, based on recruiting that Duke's going to be up there um, but obviously, we don't even know who's all leaving for the for the NBA draft. So that'll be a big part of it. Well, Trey, I want to talk about who's going pro for Kentucky right now. I think one player only should go, and that's Julius Randle. That's the only one. If they can bring everybody back, they ought to have a good team with a chance to make another Final Four run next year. But we'll talk about that. We're going to talk just a little NBA, a little Major League Baseball, some NFL draft. And Trey, I don't know if you've heard. But the college football top 25, Phil Steele's top 25 came out today preseason. Have you got to see it yet? Uh, I don't think I have. Well, we're going to go through it and just, you know, get your thoughts, get everybody's thoughts out there. The chat room's not open. I'm having some Internet issues right now, so I'm on my iPad with the with the studio up, so I can't use the chat room on Microsoft products. I don't know why that is, but... We'll talk about these rankings. If you'd like to start in, we're going to talk about some basketball first, Trey, if you'd like, college basketball, and then we'll move on to football. But initial thoughts of the game Monday night. I know both of us picked Kentucky to win this game. But you know what, Trey, I wasn't surprised that Kentucky lost. What about you? Well, surprise, no. Um, but I was surprised a little bit at how poor – the big star for Kentucky really played for a lot of the games, Harvin Julius Randall. I was more surprised by that than I was anything else. So I really thought with the lack of size that UConn had in the paint, um, that they were going to have a lot more success than they did. Yeah, what about the cramps for Randall? Are you buying that? I mean, he just didn't no. play well. Didn't play well. No, UConn, I don't buy it. They, they, they were in his head, Trey, I believe. I think he will put under the pressure. I mean, Calipari said that his guys are really nervous going into that game. I just think they I think they they went into the game and they failed. I mean I think that's the way it is. They got beat. Um and that's really the I think the end story for the game is Kentucky got beat. Well, I'll I'll tell you this, Trey, if Daniel hadn't gone out early in the first half with, with foul trouble, that could have been easily a twenty point game at halftime. Do you agree? Oh yeah, I agree with you, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they were just I, – I was amazed, really, at the the speed of UConn compared to the speed of Kentucky. I thought Kentucky would have had an easy time, you know, moving the ball around more. When we watched Florida Saturday, remember I was – I thought Florida played bad that game. But after watching Connecticut play Kentucky, I realized that Connecticut's just a little better than both of them right now. And, 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 and that's just all there is to it. Guard plays everything. Kentucky's guards trade. They can't score enough like UConn's, and at the end of the day, you have a great guard play from UConn, not so great from Kentucky. You have a national championship, uh, UConn Huskies. I'm I'm impressed with the run they made. I really am. Well, I mean, you know, an interesting about UConn, Tarvin, is, you know, we gotta, I mean, we'll talk about their place in history now, uh, or at least this generation. I mean, what UConn did is pretty remarkable, uh, not only in this, this national championship game, but in this, um, you know, basically, if you're 20 years old, UConn is a powerhouse, and we really don't talk about it a lot. Yeah, I mean, when people talk about the best programs in America in the last 15 years, nobody ever says UConn, but that's really who's the best, Trey. Right now, you can't, you cannot say that there's a better basketball program than UConn. With that, they've never lost a championship game, which I didn't know that going into that game. I know that's weird. And then their women's program last night just annihilated an undefeated Notre Dame team. So I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, you have your your thoroughbred schools, but UConn, why are they not respected, you think? 
Well, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, you got to think about this program. If you're 20 years old, Parvin, um, you know, you're you're born in what 94, right? If my math is correct, um, you've seen four UConn national championships in in men's basketball, Parvin, and nine basketball championships in the women's game. You're talking about 13 <laughs> basketball championships if you're 20 years old. If you're the latest generation of college athletes, the guys who are in college right now, 13 college basketball championships from UConn, and they're undefeated when they get there. That's that's incredible, Tarvin. How how do they do this? I don't. I mean, what is in UConn that makes these these players want to go there? I mean, and they come out of nowhere. It's not like they're all blue chippers. They're usually juniors or seniors, like Kimball Walker was, and just hit just hit this extra gear. I've never seen anything like it, but kudos. Uh, so the coach of the year right now, if we were voting, who would it be, Trey? Well, if you get a chance to vote after the tournament, I don't know how you don't vote for Kevin Ollie, who was, you know, handpicked by, Cal- by uh, you know, Jim Calhoun. And none of us talked about it. I mean, we all saw it. We, you know, you and I, I think you even mentioned it very briefly on the show, uh, you know, last year. Um you know, UConn was, was obviously not going to be the postseason, so, you know, ho-hum, not much to talk about. But, you know, the guy in his first time in the tournament wins it all. I mean, you know, only once, I think, Steve Fisher in 89. I mean, this is this is just an incredible run, an incredible team all the way around. Uh, and what Napier did, I mean, this guy, I mean, you can talk about stats, Harvin. Napier won the NCAA championship his freshman year and then won it, wins it his senior year, too. I mean, so how how crazy is that as well? A guy who... Um, you know, has an opportunity to win two bookend a part like that. Well, you, you could tell after that game how disrespected those UConn players and the coach felt. A lot of people are upset that the way he spoke. But after you win something that big, you can really say what you want to, Trey. I mean, you backed it up. You can you can say whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I think I don't know if you heard his comments, but at the end of the day, he's tired of feeling disrespected, and you put him as a seven seed. They deserve that seven seed, honestly, with the way they played throughout the year. But who would have thunk it besides a bunch of UConn fans on ESPN picking them to win the championship that they would have made a run like this? And Kentucky is not that surprising to me at all because you know we we see the talent. We they were preseason number one, but this UConn team to come and beat St. Joe's surprised me, Trey. I just don't get how they won a national championship. I mean, it's just unbelievable. This, this changes college basketball forever, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about that. I mean, but think about this, Tarvin. I mean, you have, um, you know, this run that UConn made. And, and I, just to sort of, I guess, talk to you about what, what Napier said uh, after the game, I saw it. And I think people, um, I think people who are offended, Tarvin, are probably a little butthurt from the game in general. Um, you know, their team lost or their, you know, their conference lost or whatever it is. Because, I mean, even UConn, Parvin, everyone disrespected them going to that game. We all thought, both you and I, were like, yeah, I can tell you he's probably going to win the game. I mean, this is, you know, they're more talented. They're preseason number one. They have five guys who are going to probably play in the NBA. UConn has maybe one um, right now, I mean, Napier. And, you know, so we all kind of thought, you know, less of UConn. And so... I have no problem with a guy like that who who put up uh, this manly numbers in the tournament coming out and said, "Hey, we were disrespected, and you know now you get to eat you get to eat pie because you know we're the ones who are, who are wearing the rings." You know, I, I thought the some of the officiating was bad, and honestly, I thought it was bad on both sides. I, I just didn't understand what they were trying to do, but they did let them play in that second half as much as they could. But let me tell you this, Kentucky, you're out there, you're all Americans. Learn how to hit a free throw, for God's sake. When you go 13 to 24 from the free throw line, Trey, and your opponent goes 100%, you're probably not going to win against a good team. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I think this is the same problem that, that UConn uh, that used to beat Michigan State as well. I mean, Michigan State, the same type of team than Kentucky, you know. And what did, uh, what did UConn do? They hit, I think, almost every free throw that game as well. And what did Michigan State do? They didn't. The same thing you could say for Florida of missing free throws. So, you know, I mean, fundamentals at some point, Tarvin, have to matter. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're Florida, you're UConn. I mean, excuse me, you're Florida, you're Connecticut. Sorry, I keep going Connecticut. 
your Florida or Kentucky or Michigan State, I mean, they all can look at free throws and, and realize that they didn't cut down the net partly because of that. Yeah, and you know, Trey, I was overwhelmed watching the first half of that ball game. So imagine what the Kentucky team felt like. I mean, they were getting swarmed and being so they didn't have anything open. They were uh, having to shoot, you know, hard shots. And you know, at the half, when I looked up and it was thirty-five to thirty-one, Trey, I thought it should mm-hmm. have been thirty-five to fifteen. But you know, I oh, still yeah. didn't feel too confident. I didn't feel too confident about Kentucky just because of the way the guards were taking control of this game. And the second half, they got close. Kentucky cut it to one. They never could get over the hump. But, man, UConn made them pay, Trey. Hats off to them. I mean, what a game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. UConn, I mean, like I said, I, I re- honestly believe that UConn just won that game. With, you know, I mean, and, and the shot that, you know, I think we'll all remember in this tournament oh. was with Shaz Napier from about the parking lot who just pulls up. I mean, he's almost half-court. <laughs> and it just, I mean, it looks pretty deep. From the moment it left his hands, I was like, he just hit that. Um, and so, I mean, that's like the, the pinnacle moment of the game for me earlier. That was in the first half. But I thought, if this kid could hit shots like this, and it re- sort of was reminiscent of me, of Trey Burke, uh, at early in the Final Four, not in the championship game. But um, And I was like, man, if this kid can hit these kind of shots, you know, we're going to – this is going to be a, a good game going down the stretch, and UConn's got all the momentum. But but I just want to talk about the talent that was on that court the other night. I mean, you watch other college basketball games, Trey, and you don't see the athleticism that you saw. Did you see the blocks Kentucky was getting? I mean, they were – you know, once, once Kentucky settled in and they started playing basketball, then they, they, they finally started playing aggressive defense, and Calipari went to the zone. They talked about it on TV – why did it take Calipari so long to go to his own defense? Just to try something different. It, it seemed like he almost waited too long. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think a lot of people were talking about that. Was you know, you, you sort of you sort of picked up early that you know that it wasn't really working out for Kentucky defensively, and you know, could they have done something better quicker? You know, I think a lot of people thought so. Well, Trey, I think Cuervo's with us, and the funny thing was about Cuervo during the Elite Eight weekend when UConn beat Michigan State, he he texted me and said, UConn's going to win the championship. Mark my words. And I sent him one back or talked to him and said, well, you're getting 650 to one odds, so you might as well go ahead and bet it if you really think so. And I don't really think he meant it, but he said it, Trey. And here mm-hmm. he is. Just want your thoughts. Welcome to the show, Cuervo. What would you think of the game? Uh, good evening, guys. Yeah, I, 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 thought, it was, I thought it was a uh... – you know, it's what I expected. You know, a lot of, a lot of talent. It, it wasn't as high scoring as I thought it would be because if you if you remember, the pace of the game from the start was fast. I mean, halfway through the first half, I mean, both teams had about twenty to twenty five points on the board. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good high scoring game. But it all goes back to what you were just saying, Tarvin, um, and, and that's why I believe that you know Kentucky UConn was by far the best matchup we possibly could have gotten from the final four teams. And that's no disrespect to Florida or to Wisconsin, but let's keep it real, guys. I mean, the, the most NBA talent came from those two teams, and, and you could see it even in, in, the, in the Elite Eight games, in the final four games. So I'm glad it played out the way it did. And, you know, I, I wish I would have had the stones to, to put the money up, but I, you know, and I, and I didn't do it. I would have had that 650 to one, like you were just saying, but um, I, I just had that feeling. I mean, you know, Napier, it's all about guard play, guys, and, and Napier and Bolt, like, they complement each other so well, and we haven't seen that type of guard play in a long time. So, I mean, hats off to UConn and to, you know, to their program for, I mean, for winning both the men and the women championships. Well, you know what? If Kentucky would have, I don't think my ego could have take could have taken it, Trey, because I was already getting cocky with Kentucky, and then if they'd have won the national championship, then I'd have been unbearable. So probably you're glad they <laughs> lost, right, Trey? Well, you know, it, it actually brought up an interesting thought for me, and I was wondering when the last time, and, and I don't know if Paul's listening or you know, our statistical, statistical guy. Um, the last time the SEC was shut out from the three major, major conferences um, in a championship, it, it's probably been a while. Because, uh, you know, you have football <laughs> now, uh, you have basketball yeah. now, and then, of course, baseball. I mean, there's, some, there's a couple good 
uh, SEC teams, of course. I mean, so they are, they have their shot. But I, I don't know, man. I was just I thought about that during watching the game when I thought Kentucky was going to lose. I was like, well, you know, this this is interesting for the SEC. You know, if they get shut out of the, of the major sports this year. Well, you get two teams in the final four. You'd have you would have probably thought were that you know the top two favorite teams in the tournament uh, in the final four, Kentucky and Florida. So you would think the favorite out of those two, one would win it, but. They didn't. You know, it makes me – I'm going to start watching basketball just a little bit different than, you know, the way I have been when I predict brackets. All I really care about is who you played early. I don't care whether you won or not. I just want to know who you played, and I want to see how you're doing in your conference tournament and how, how you look. Because, I mean, after watching UConn get beat by 30 points to Louisville in their conference tournament, I mean, I never thought they would even – you know, usually a team gets hot like UConn did and play five days in a row, win the Big East. They got hot and won the championship trade. But, you know, you lose by 30 in your conference tournament like that to Louisville. Did you even think it was a possibility that they could make a Final Four run? Well, at that point, Louisville, I mean, I think, yeah. Um, but obviously, until that point, no. I mean, I just didn't see it. I just, this is the first year I've ever seen where a champion came out of nowhere where I couldn't tell. I thought Wisconsin had a good shot to win it. I thought Florida. I thought Michigan State. Anybody like that, I thought. But no, nowhere did I see UConn coming out. But it was a great game, and I don't know if y'all got to catch the women's championship last night. But, man, Cuervo, how cocky is that UConn coach? I guess he has every right to be. Well, I mean, when you win nine titles, I mean, it, it starts to <laughs> kind of feel routine, I guess you could say. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, did he get a little emotional? Yes. Was it for the cameras? Who knows? But um, you know, he, he passes up the Great Pat Summit now, as far as uh, on the women's side of college basketball, and you know, hey, congrats to them. They, they won it again, and um, I don't know the, the guy. The guy can. I don't know how much credit I give him for recruiting because everybody wants to play for UConn, but I mean, it's all about what you do with that talent. He knows what to do with with the with those young ladies that he recruits. He knows how to get them to to win. He's he's doing something right, Trey. I mean, I don't know much about him, but I know he's arrogant. I know he's egotistical, but I do know that his players love him and and he wins basketball games. Any thoughts on the women's championship? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, is he any cockier than any of the men's coaches who win games? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's, let's put it in perspective. I mean, the guy is undefeated in that, in championship games, and he's won nine in 20 years. I mean, and he's nine and zero. Oh. Um, well, I wonder if he's so, ever going to look down and, and and grab him, Trey, and see if he can try it in in men's college basketball. How would he do? Do you think he could ever be successful? I think the men, the guys would have a hard time listening to a women's coach. You know, I, I don't know if that's true. I, I think that if he can coach X's and O's, I mean, I don't think um, that's different. Now, obviously there are differences in the women's game for sure. Uh, and I don't know enough about his style of coaching, honestly, to, to you know, say they couldn't coach the men. But, you know, you see coaching talent. You know, I think coaching talent coaches no matter where they go. You know, I think Pat Summerall for Tennessee could have probably coached in the men's and been okay. I mean, you know, these these people know how to coach <laughs> basketball. Pat um, yeah, Pat, Pat Summit, sorry. <laughs> Pat Summerall is pretty good, too, the announcer, Tarvin. I don't know why you think he's so bad. Yeah, Pat I think Summit, he died. Um, I think he's dead, right? <laughs> I still think he's a great coach. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, but, I mean, I, I think he translates, Tarvin. I, who knows? How, and we'll probably never know. Uh, because why do you leave something that you're dominating? But I mean, let's let's put it in perspective. I mean, the dude's straight up dominating women's basketball. Yeah, who was that coach for? Uh, was it Texas Wesley? That movie that came out where he coached girls' high school basketball, and then he started coaching college, and they won a championship and beat Kentucky. So yeah, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the team. I think that was it. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him just. Okay, you've you've done everything in women's basketball that you can do. What else can you do that you haven't done? I think in in life, once you get to that point, you need to to make a change and do something else. Unless he's just very happy doing what he is, he's doing, and I'd be happy dominating people winning championships every year. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy, but also would would think, can I do it at a higher level? 
So we'll see what he does. And guys, the NBA playoffs is coming up right now. Miami Heat got swept by Brooklyn 4-0 in the season. Cuervo, I don't know how much you watched that game last night, but is Miami in trouble? No, no, they're they're going to be fine, Carvin. Um, I, how much I watched the, of the game last night? I watched the uh, the last second block that LeBron cried about afterwards, saying that he got fouled. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw anything different, but to me, it clearly looked like after he got all ball, his hand, the the defender's hand, slid down and kind of just you know grazed LeBron James's wrist and. You know, he tried to cry foul, but it didn't work. So, um, yeah, but no, I mean, let's 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 be real. I, I seriously doubt if they were to play seven postseason games, there's no way Brooklyn wins four out of those seven. So, um, I, I don't think Brooklyn's a threat to the Heat when it comes to the postseason. Trey, I don't I don't think anybody's a threat to Miami in the East. I think it's going to be very difficult once they play in the championship, once they play a West team. I just don't like their roster, and I really don't trust it right now. Well, I mean, with Indiana struggling like they do, I mean, you and I talked about this a couple shows ago. I mean, we thought this was going to be an Indiana-Miami uh, easy road to the Eastern Conference Finals, and that was going to be the battle. Or now, honestly – I mean, do I think that one of these two teams are going to be upset? I don't, Tarvin, but would it surprise me? I'd probably not. You know, I mean, just, they're playing so poorly right now that you really have to wonder, um, you know, I mean, when they get into a game, a seven-game series or, you know, with a team that really wants it, you know, what, what's going to happen? I mean, they, is the desire there for these guys? I, I really believe Brooklyn's the only team that can beat Miami in a seven-game series right now. Will they? I don't think so, but... They could. They have veterans. Joe Johnson's a role player now. Uh, I think they have the right chemistry and makeup with the veterans and the young guys together to to give Miami some problems, especially if if Dwayne Wade is is still nagging with an injury, missing time, not a hundred percent. Because they, I don't care. Ray Allen's about seventy two. I don't know how many more threes he's going to be able to hit. Shane Battier, do you really think he's a starting? Um, Starting starter in the NBA, I don't. So maybe they're just sandbagging a little bit right now. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting. We'll talk more NBA once we get to the playoffs. But I just wanted to mention that. We'll do a preview once the seeding comes out. We'll see who can pick these games right. But, Trey, I don't know if you saw that the uh, college football preseason poll came out. I do have the top ten teams I want to talk about tonight. And uh, the first one, I'm, I'm surprise, surprise, Florida State's number one. And yep. we'll go Alabama's number two, Oregon's number three, Auburn's number four, Oklahoma five, Ohio State six, UCLA seven, Michigan State eight, Baylor nine, and South Carolina ten. Cuervo, after hearing those those teams, does anything jump out at you? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, UCLA's kind of up there. I mean, not that not that they had a bad season, however, for them to be a preseason number seven, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. And then South Carolina to still be a top ten team, uh, not having a guy like Clowney anymore. I mean, that's that's still a lot of uh, you know a lot of love for that South Carolina team. So, um, but I think Auburn's getting shafted a little bit, Tarvin, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, because, you know, this is your show. I really do feel – I mean, how are you going to be the runner-up and not be at least number – I mean, number two. I, I know they're not going to be number one, but they're not number two. Like, they just came off of playing for a national championship. So, to me, that's kinda, that kind of surprised me a little bit. I was kind of hoping them to see them about 15 or 20, to tell you the truth. I hate preseason rankings. I the expectations, but Trey, it surprises me that Alabama is just sitting up there on a perch at number two after losing a lot, lost their quarterback. I know they recruited well, but two games in a row they lost. They got skull drugged by Oklahoma, but yet they're at number two right now. I have no problem with Florida State being number one. They'll be favored every game they play this year, but what do you think, Trey, about Alabama at number two? Well, I think I mean I, I see your point. It's where I would put them just because I think the talent is going to be there, and I, I have that much faith in Jacob Coker. Um, 
at the same point, I think there's a very good argument they shouldn't be there because of the way they, they lost two games in the year, uh, and they did lose their you know big starting quarterback. Um, and so I think there's a lot of reasons to uh, both believe and doubt in that ranking. Well, I'll tell you this, and I, you've never heard me say this, and Trey, you can you can attest to this. Ohio State at six is underrated. And I'll tell you why. I mean, Urban Meyer finally, I think he's got his teeth sucked into this program. Braxton Miller is back, and I think he's going to have a huge season playing in the Big Ten. I think there's no way Ohio State doesn't make a top four. Cuervo, I could be wrong, but this could be a good time to take Ohio State in the preseason to possibly win a national championship. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's – you know, it's kind of a tough call to make. However, um, you know, when when the Big Ten is where it is, I mean, Michigan State, I don't think is going to be what they were last year. You know, they they had some things go their way in order to win the Rose Bowl like they did. But um, I don't see I don't see um, Michigan State hanging around very long. And um, I mean, just the Big Ten not being as strong as it normally is, in my opinion. Um, I think it's very easy for Ohio State to kind of stay up there and, and, and play for another uh, Big Ten championship. So, you know, and, and, and another year under Urban Meyer's belt, I mean, it's just it's just going to get – they're just going to get closer and closer every year. Yeah, and, and one thing, Trey, I'm tired of seeing up in the top that is the Oregon Ducks. I mean, yeah, they're good. They they play a good style of football, but every year they play a physical team, they lose. So why does Oregon keep getting this love? I mean, they're not up in the top in recruiting anywhere. Um, I, I just have no faith that this team being at number three right now. Well, I mean, you bring up some good points. I think part of it is that, you know, Marcus Mariota's back. Um, so there are a lot of people who are, you know, in, in Mariota we trust. Um, but, you know, there's a lot <laughs> you to be said for the – yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, but, you know, I think the UCLA bringing, what, 16 starters back, including Hunley, who, you know, could be a very, very high draft pick himself. Um, and then you have USC, who might be a lot better. You have, um, you know, Boise State's coach, Peterson, now at Washington. I mean, the Pac-12 is going to be a little more interesting this year than I think it was last year. I don't know that Stanford will get Oregon this year. Um, but, I mean, I do think that you know, some other programs are going to take a leap up, and so, you know, one of the things to consider is, is Oregon, with that, you know, sort of weaker recruiting class, uh, do they stay on top or do they start slipping? Yeah, and, and, and Auburn's number four, and, and I'm, anything can happen. We've seen it. I mean, they made a championship game last year, but this will be the best Auburn team since 2004, probably better than that team a little bit. You, you got to think Gus Malzahn in his second year, full year as head coach, with his system in place. He's got the key players there. Uh, you talk about UCLA having a lot of returning starters. So does Auburn. They have about that many. They did lose Greg Robinson and Trey Mason, but the offensive line's strong. The running game's deep. The receivers are going to be probably the best in the SEC this year. And Marshall with another year under his belt. I'm excited to see what happens. They could they could finish outside the top ten easy. I'm not saying they won't, but with their schedule, I mean, it's it's not too brutal. I think Auburn can make a push up there again. But Oklahoma at five is a, a team I want to talk about. Cuervo, is Oklahoma getting a little too much love because of that win over Alabama? I, I never would have thought Oklahoma would be a top five team, and I guarantee you they won't be in the top ten next year. Yeah, they definitely are, Tarvin. And, and, I mean, it, it... If you know college football, you saw this coming a mile away. I mean, I don't think anybody – I don't think it really should surprise anyone that Oklahoma's getting all this all this love because of, you know, one win. And, and, and let's be real, guys. This is the first big win that Bob Stoops has had at Oklahoma in, I would say, probably at least five years. Every time they get to a bowl game, uh, the past, you know, six, seven years, I mean, it's just – it's not what it used to be back in the early 2000s when they were just dominating the BCS and and lately ever since that ever since they lost that one national championship game to LSU it just kind of feels like they haven't been able to win the big games anymore and and they finally get one and and you know because 
Alabama just looked terrible. Um, if you play that game again, I think Alabama wins. But um, I, I just I just don't feel like um, you know Oklahoma is what it used to be when it comes to big games. So um, yeah, they're getting a lot of love. But again, I mean, this is going to be another team that will probably um, won't be able to stay in the top five and. You know, everybody's going to be like, you know, surprised, but I don't think it should surprise any of us. Trey, Oklahoma, are they are they in the right place at number five in your opinion, or, or do you think they'll underachieve this year? I think that they're getting a lot of respect um, for that win in the Sugar Bowl over Alabama. Um, but, you know, I still don't believe in their quarterback over the long term, and I agree with you. I don't think they're going to be um, – now, top 10 is different, Tarvin, um, but um, I think that – I think it's possible top 10, uh, but they're not going to be a national championship contender. Yeah, I mean, top 10 maybe. I mean, th- their schedule could allow them to do that. But remember, I think they – did they play Florida State this year, or am I wrong? Uh, Oklahoma, no. Oklahoma State does. Okay. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, just looking at it, Baylor at number nine, that's another team that I'm not ready to, to go all in with really as a as a consistent top ten team. I like what Bryles is trying to do, but at the end of the day, I, I just don't know how long it's going to be Cuervo until he gets knocked down a step. Maybe he should have taken another job out there and tried something different. I think Baylor could go down a little bit, just a little, not much. Yeah, and you know what, Tarvin? I'll be the first to admit, Baylor made me look real stupid this past year. Now, I, I kind of bought into Baylor a little bit. I thought they had a, you know, a, a high-flying offense that could, you know, really be dominant in college football. And and for them to kind of end the season the way they did, it, it, it made me remember, like, you know, just what some schools it's kind of it's kind of like. Uh, it's 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 like an illusion. You, it's not what you really think it is. And, and for Baylor, I mean, um, it just you know they it, it, you you know you were talking about how they really didn't play anybody, and I was like, no, nah, I, I I bought in, and you were right though. You know, it's it's they're they're not what they what they what it what it seems to be. So uh, that made me look real dumb, and and uh, you know I think I think you know they could probably do well again this year. Uh, once they actually play someone, though, you'll get to see the real Baylor football team. Well, Trey, talking about still in college football, if we can, Alabama's A.J. McCarron, you know, he's he's going to try to play in the NFL. What do you think about his reality TV show he's going to go on with his fiancée uh, following their wedding and their engagement? Bad well, idea or good idea? idea? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, it didn't work out for Terrell Owens, um, and don't really work out for Deion Sanders either, and they're a lot more famous than um, than I think H. McCarron uh, will be. Uh, I think it it shows you I think a little bit of Tarvin of maybe how um, how successful he feels he's going to be in the NFL that he has to go to a reality sort of star route versus <laughs> focusing on his football. Because I mean Tom Brady doesn't need to make a reality show, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to make a reality show um, because they're really good at being a quarterback. It's going to be funny on that reality show when Catherine Webb leaves him halfway through the show because he didn't get that contract that he's promising her. But Cuervo, I think your rookie season, you need to focus on football and trying to get drafted and doing all that. I mean, does a does a team want this distraction coming in, or are they going to welcome the the publicity, really? No, I mean, why would you? Why would you want to welcome that publicity? I mean... That's like, I mean, if, if you're willing to, uh, you know, draft AJ McCarron with with that publicity, well, then you might as well, you might as well take the the quote unquote highly more highly rated Johnny Manziel. It's almost the same thing, almost. So I mean, I mean, there's, to me, it's not really much different. Yeah, and and, um, and other news before we go into the NFL, Trey. I don't know if you heard, but uh, the ultimate warrior passed away today. I'm sure you had trouble working today after hearing that news. I didn't see that on Twitter, but, uh, you know, I mean, is it really 
you know, all that surprising. These guys who are decked up on roids and HGH, you know, <laughs> are dying at 50. You know, I mean, it's it's obviously sad for his family. You know, and I, you know, and I, I feel for him. But you know, at the same point, it's like, oh, you know, I'm at my surprise. Unfortunately, I wasn't. Um, but you know, it is one of the characters of wrestling that I actually know because I don't think I've watched wrestling in 20 years. So, um, you know, it's always sad to see somebody from your you know you watch as a child pass on. Trey, I saw a few years ago in Birmingham, you had an Ultimate Warrior poster on your wall. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, buddy, that's a great poster. <laughs> Cuervo, I know this was your childhood hero. Any thoughts on the passing of Ultimate Warrior? He always gave Hulk Hogan a hell of a run. Well, I, I, uh, I, after I found out, I asked my boss for the day off. Um, that did not go well, so I had to go into work. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I, I hung in there today, guys. And but uh, I'm still kind of, I'm still a little upset about it. But no, and all in all seriousness, no. Like as a kid watching wrestling, and I'll admit it. I when I was eight years old, yeah, I watched wrestling, and the Ultimate Warrior was my favorite wrestler. So when I heard the news, you know, it's like Trey said, it's like wow, you know, you're 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 surprised, but at the same time, you're like you're not surprised because of what those guys go through uh, to, you know, be in, be in the business for so long. So do you really think Ultimate Warrior was on steroids, Trey? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, think, I, feel pretty, I feel pretty secure about that one. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I know a lot for sure, Tarvin, but I'm pretty sure every wrestler in the 80s was pretty jacked up on roids. You mean Randy Macho Man Savage, you think, was on steroids? Oh, maybe the Junkyard Dog wasn't, but yeah. I mean, Or Andre the Giant probably wasn't, you know, and George Animal yeah. Steel. Jake the Snake, he didn't have a muscle in his body, did he? <laughs> but, uh, wasn't there one who just drank beer on stage all the time? Uh, just, it, or on, on the ring? Um, was that Stone, maybe, Stone Cold maybe. Steve Austin? Yeah, that's right. But so, yeah. I, I mean, I swear, I've, I've never heard more of the, about wrestling than than this week. The the WrestleMania was on, and people were devastated, guys, that the Undertaker lost his first bout ever. And I'm like, who gives a damn, really? I mean, I I, I just want y'all's honest opinion, and I'm not trying to bash anybody, but who watches this crap and pays for it to watch it on TV? Really? I mean, I, I just have a problem with people that watch this crap, Trey. And maybe I'm I'm off here, but how do you watch wrestling and actually think it's real? Well, I have a I have trouble people believing that it's real. I mean, I think it's entertainment. Uh, I think my uh, I had a family member, um, the family member who seemed to think that it was like a, what do they call it, a, the daytime drama for men. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but. Um, it seems to be. Yeah, Cuervo, I mean, do you get it? I mean, I know there's shows on Block Talk Radio about wrestling and stuff, and they, I mean, this is serious as a heart attack almost, man, to some people, and I just don't get it. Well, I mean, you know, like like Trey said, I mean, it's, it's entertainment for, you know, some guys, and, I mean, it hasn't entertained me since I was 15 years old, so uh, that's when I that's when I officially stopped. But um, I don't know. I mean, some some people just can't get away from it. I mean, it's like it's like a man's version of a soap opera. You know, you watch every week to see what what's going on with certain wrestlers, and you just kind of get hooked on it. But me, I just I just kind of grew out of it. That's and I stopped watching it. Yeah, when I was I got a girlfriend when I was six, and that's when I grew out of it. Uh, uh, I don't nice. know. I mean, to each, to each their own. I mean, I guess I'll say that I shouldn't put down what somebody, what somebody does and enjoys. But I don't know about paying going to these wrestling events. But I, I heard something funny. I'm not on, not about wrestling though, Trey. But when Dale Earnhardt passed away, um, I don't know how many years ago. That's a pretty good. While this guy took a whole week off of work without pay because he was grieving and mourning for Dale Earnhardt. Man, are we taking it a little too far with some of these celebrities? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I, yeah, the same thing happened when Michael Jackson died. We actually had a civilian in, uh, on base who actually tried to take a week, almost a couple weeks off to go to the funeral in California. And, you know, it's like, really? Come on. 
Like, did you know them? I mean, like, it's one thing to, like, you know, you know somebody. Obviously, there's a personal thing there. But if you just watch them on TV, I'm, I don't know, man. Like, that seems, uh, seems a little different to me. Well, I wish I had a... I mean, I don't know. It's just we're taking it way too far. Hollywood, I know we love these actors and everything, but what's the guy that Paul Walker that got killed in Fast and Furious? That was terrible what happened, but there were so many people upset about that, like they lost someone in their family or something. I just, I don't get it. I don't know the guy. I don't, never will, I guess, but it's just funny the way we, we idolize people. So, Cuervo, if your favorite athlete died tomorrow, would you miss work for a couple of days? Um, probably not. Um, it'd be something I I would talk about, you know. But I don't think I'd miss work. I'd be at work talking about it. So, I mean, to me, it's you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe um, and it's hard to say because, like, I'll use an example. Uh, when Walter Payton died, I was only I think I was only like fifteen, you know, sixteen, seventeen years old. So, um, but if I was a little bit older and working. Um, you know, it, it it's kind of like wow, you know, it's shocking. I mean, I don't think I'd miss work for it though. Yeah, it's just one of those things that's mm-hmm. going to happen in life as as longer we go. But Trey, the NFL draft is a month away, and you know we're going to spend the last few minutes of the show tonight talking about that a little bit, getting some thoughts from you and Cuervo to to see what you're thinking now that we're getting closer. I mean, I'm just. Has it, is it just me, or has the draft talk died in the last few weeks? Well, I think it has to die a little bit. If not, I don't think we have the stamina to talk about it, you know, all the time for four months. But uh, it'll pick back up, and we're getting closer. Uh, I think we're just in the middle of uh, middle of it. Yeah, I'm excited for this draft. But, Cuervo, there's, there's one player that if you're ever in doubt, you're up at the top, and you're Houston if you don't trade it. There's always that safe pick in, in Jadavian Clowney. What do you think? I think that's who they should go with, Tarvin. I, I really do. I mean, because um, to, to me, I think do, do, do the Texans need a quarterback? Yes. However, with with guys like Manziel and Bortles and all these, if I'm an if I'm a GM, if I'm the GM of the Texans, like me personally. I just don't feel confident enough to make this those guys my number one pick, my overall number one pick. It, it's to me, I just I don't feel safe enough. I don't have enough confidence to say, you know what, this guy is going to change my franchise for the next ten years. Because I mean, it, 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 they, I'm sorry, they're not Andrew Luck. They're not, you know, when, what Peyton Manning was when he came out. So to me, I just I think you know it's probably going to happen, and he's probably, probably going to take one of the quarterbacks. But I think the more sure pick, and, and and I know it sounds crazy because people say what they what they say about Clowney, but you see his talent, and and you see what he's capable of doing, Harvin. And and I just think I think with him and JJ Watt, I think that's a scary combination, and um. You know, I just, I just think that's the, that to me, that's the safer pick, as opposed to, you know, trying to draft one of these quarterbacks. Um, when you look at the Oakland Raiders, how many times have they made that mistake? And, I mean, it sets their franchise back for so, you know, for so long. Well, Trey, I know we can't win without a quarterback. Any team out there, but I, I agree with Cuervo. There, there's no quarterback that that's out there that could really. If you took them first round right here up at the very top, they're not going to help you next year. If I was drafting, if I was the one making this draft out, I honestly wouldn't have a quarterback in the first round. Looking at all the talent in this draft, Trey, and we talked about it the other night. I said at the top, and I'm talking about in the first round altogether. There's not a quarterback in this draft that deserves to be in the first round. I think everybody's in love with a quarterback. They see what's been going on the last few years. And now they're, it's fool's gold right now, Trey. Somebody's about to get burned and burned bad. I can't wait to see this soap opera and see how it plays out. Well, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think there are going to be um, people who take a quarterback early. I and mean, I've seen some mock drafts. And, and unfortunately, I think the talking heads at ESPN are terrible about this. They, they will put up 
I mean, Carvin, you know, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but tell me if I'm wrong on this conspiracy theory that ESPN overhypes players like these quarterbacks because they get ratings for ESPN. And then so guys like Mel Kuyper uh, will actually move them up their draft board uh, when they're not really worth that. It's because it's what ESPN wants to make money. They want to sell their shows. They're 30 for 30s. They're whatever. And I just think that that's not a real evaluation. These teams don't really need these very sort of mediocre run-of-the-mill quarterbacks. I think you're 100% dead on right there. And the, I mean, they talk about them, and all of a sudden they go up on the board. Now in the mock draft, Blake Bortles has moved back up to number one overall. But when I see Greg Robinson, Jadavian Clowney, Sammy Watkins, Jake Matthews, Khalil Mack, uh, Eric Ebron, Justin Gilbert, Mike Evans, HaHa Clinton Dix, I mean, the list goes on and on. Timmy Jernigan from Florida State. How are you going to pass up these beasts? C.J. Mosley from Alabama. Odell Beckham, LSU receiver, these guys are ready to rock and roll. And to take a quarterback in this draft in the first round, somebody ought to shoot you in the head with a with a bullet, honestly. I mean, that's how stupid you have to be, Cuervo. I mean, there this is one of the best drafts I've ever seen depth-wise. And if you miss out because you're going to pick Johnny Manziel, if you're Oakland and you're going to pick Johnny Manziel they're talking about, then you just need to give your franchise away, man. It's going to happen, Tarvin. I'm telling you, it's going to, I'm telling you, we, we could sit here and talk about it until, you know, we pass out. We're blue in the face. But uh, it's going to happen because it's all about the quarterback in the NFL in today's game. And there's going to be a team out there, and it's probably going to be the Raiders because they, they screw up the draft every single year, and that's why they're going to be 5-11 and 11 this year. That are, they're going to take a quarterback. And they're probably going to, and it probably won't be Bortles, and it may not even be Manziel. They'll probably wind up taking, God, they'll probably take somebody, you know, that we're not even talking about. I mean, how sad would that be if they, if they take, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a quarterback that nobody is even thinking about as a first-round pick that the Raiders will probably take a chance on with the number five overall pick. And, that, and that's exactly probably what's going to happen. Murray, probably Aaron Murray out of Georgia. That's, yeah, that's a great example, Tarvin. That's pop, mark it down. The Raiders are going to pick Aaron Murray with the number five overall pick. <laughs> Trey, I'm, looking at, uh, I'm looking at Bridgewater down to 26 to Cleveland. Cleveland picks, if we remember, they pick at four, so they're they're looking at getting Sammy Watkins and Bridgewater in the first round. Trey, if this happens, um, what would you think of their draft? Well, I think Sammy Watkins would be great. Uh, uh, Bridgewater, again, I mean, they get the same sort of similar type of draft strategy when they took Trenton Richardson, which you know I still surprised that he didn't do well. Uh, and then Brandon Wheaton, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta make sure that both picks are as equally as good. Uh, and even Bridgewater late in the first round, I still think that he's mediocre. I really do. Yeah, Bridgewater could fall. I think he'll fall out of the first round, honestly. I just don't think he's a first-round quarterback. But Cuervo's right, Trey. People are going to go. And, hey, I need about two minutes. Uh, Trey, can you and Cuervo take over real quick? I'll be right back. Yeah. So, Cuervo, let me ask you this. You're the Cleveland Browns. Um, and, Cuervo, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Trey. Hold on. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't on mute. Yeah, so you're 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 the Cleveland Browns GM. And, you know, we're in draft day, like the movie that's coming out here soon. Um, who do you take uh, with the picks that you think are available? I mean, you know, Sammy Watkins very well could be there, and you're going to have some of these quarterbacks available. What do you what do you think the Cleveland Browns should do to change the nature of their franchise? Uh, you know what, Trey, it's, it's tough because, I mean, it is the number four pick, but there's so many variables as far as who those first three picks are going to wind up becoming. Um, with that being said, I don't, I really don't think that they should go quarterback, even though it looks like they're going to go quarterback. I mean, they get rid of Jason Campbell, they get rid of, uh, get rid of Brandon Whedon, and I don't think they have enough confidence in, um, in, um, Oh, I forgot the name of the guy that got hurt. Uh, Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I don't. 
Yeah, I don't think they have enough confidence in him. So all, all signs are pointing to them drafting a, uh, a quarterback. However, I, I really think that if, you know, somebody like – I would probably have to say, you know, somebody like Jake Matthews from A&M or Robinson from, from uh, Auburn is available. I think, you, you know, you take him – with Joe Thomas, and you start, you have to start building a foundation up front. You know, I mean, you know, you have a guy in Josh Gordon who can go out there and make plays for you at the receiver position. Now you have to create that foundation to give your quarterback the protection he needs to get the ball to Josh Gordon. And you know what? If if, if there's a if there's an outstanding uh, a receiver in the second round that's still available then go out and get him. Uh, I, don't, I just don't think, though, that it's very smart to get a, a – with, with, with where the Cleveland Browns are as a franchise, Sammy Watkins sounds awesome. You know, him and Josh Gordon together would be, would be like heaven. However, if Brian Hoyer, if that's who winds up becoming the quarterback, has two and a half seconds to throw the football, then it, then it does nothing for you. So to me, I think they need to go up front. They need to build that foundation. Uh, and, and use Joe Thomas. Hopefully, they re-signed Alex Mack. Uh, he he got a five-year offer from the Jaguars today. So now the Browns have to match that offer, or he's gone. And and I really don't think the Browns uh, should let him go. So with that being said, I think with with those two linemen that they have already, and then you draft Matthews or Robinson if they're available. I think that's absolutely the way that the Browns have to go. Yeah, I mean, I think Mac uh, Cuervo is gone. I mean, that five-year deal, if you look at the structure of the deal, it just hammers Cleveland financially, um, just the way it's structured. Now, you're talking about a guy who hasn't missed a snap, by the way. I think he's at, what, 1,500 snaps, uh, and he's never mm-hmm. missed a play. Um, you're a pro bowler at the, in your center position, uh, such an important position, but I think he might be gone just because of the numbers. And we'll have to see what Cleveland wants to do with their their cap space in this regard because they they definitely want to keep him, but they did not offer him a long-term deal. So to not offer him a long-term deal and then to swallow a five-year pill um, that's structured like this, and a lot of people believe that uh, Mac had the deal structured in a way so Cleveland couldn't keep him after they, you know, they wouldn't sign him for a long-term deal. Um, you know, so that'll be a big loss too. And if they do lose him to Cuervo, you know, I think that they do go maybe, you know, like you, like you said, line and then maybe, or even Watkins, uh, and then line later. I think that, um, this is a team, you're right, that needs a little bit more building blocks and less. I think Hoyer, uh, in the few games we saw him last was something there. Now, whether that's long term, we don't know. Yeah, and it's hard to tell because I mean he's been he's been in the league for a little while now, and and I mean he really hasn't shown much. Um, I believe if I remember right, Trey, I think the Patriots drafted him, and then they just they just kind of pushed him off to the side like a year or two later. So um, you know, but I mean, God, as as great as it would sound to have Sammy Watkins and Josh Gordon and Jordan Cameron, and and uh, now they signed Ben Tate as well, so they got a running back. But it, it, I'm telling you, Trey, it doesn't mean it, mean, it means nothing if they don't have the protection uh, for, for the quarterback to throw or they don't open up the holes for Ben Tate to run through. It means nothing. So I, I think it's a no-brainer. They, gotta go, they have to go line. They have to go line on, on this first pick. Yeah, and I think if, if, if Robinson and Matthews are, are gone at the fourth for some reason mm-hmm. and you trade down, but if one of those guys are available, you're right, it may be the pick to take. Um, and I think that's at least logical. I think Sammy Watkins would be logical you know, uh, as well. Trey, linebacker might be logical as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, Trey? It wouldn't surprise me too if a day or day before the draft, and they did this a couple of years ago to get Trent Richardson. I mean, who's to say they don't they don't trade up? They don't take that number two spot, or they don't grab up that number three spot to get their lineman that they really, really want. So, I mean, we've seen we've seen Cleveland do it before. Uh, who's to say they won't do it again? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, I think trading up for a, a deep lineman 
draft, unless you really believe that Robinson or Matthews are really the cornerstone for the next 10 years, the way, you know, the way Thomas has been for them, that you don't do that. You wait and see who's available. But, um, you know, Cleveland's one of those teams that have a lot, really a lot riding on this draft, like they seem to always do. Um, I don't know if Tarkin's back, but I wanted to ask you about the Vikings. Um, they in the top 10 as well. They seem to be themselves strongly towards their quarterback. Uh, a lot of people think that they may be looking at the third or the fourth quarterback uh, possibly taken by that point. What do you think, Cuervo? Um, if the Vikings are there and the top three are gone, do you think they, they reach and go for Carr, or do you think one of those guys are going to fall to them and they take one of the three? Uh, I, I, I could very well see one of those guys falling, Trey, and I think the one that's going to fall is Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, there is nothing that he has shown – since after the, after the season that he rates to be a top 10 pick. I mean, his, his pro day was horrible. His combine wasn't very good from what I remember. I mean, he is, and, and, and it always happens, Trey. There's always a quarterback every year that winds up plummeting in the draft, just like we saw Brady Quinn and we saw Aaron Rodgers and we saw, um, I think it was, was it Tannehill? I think Tannehill dropped a little bit. Uh, the year he got drafted. We see it every year, and I think this year it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. So I could very well see uh, the Vikings if they decide to go quarterback. I could see them uh, easily getting Teddy Bridgewater with that number. What is it, number 10? I think they have the number 10 pick. I could easily see that happen. Yeah, I think it's 8 to 10. I can't remember off the top of my head where where they they are. But, yeah, that's that's a fair point. I mean, I think you're right. I think Carvin thinks so as well. I honestly think that you could see – uh, other than Bortles, and, he, and I'll tell you, and I talked to Carvin about this, Bortles, I think, is actually legitimately first-round material. I, I really do. I think Bortles could, I mean, in a, in a different year, but you may see Bortles slip to the 10 to 15 range. But I think he's as close as we're going to get to a solid pick this year um, at the quarterback position with, you know, sort of the intangibles that you want. Um, I think also this could be a year that even Johnny Manziel drops down to that, that position. I, I just think that some teams are going to be smarter than we think, and maybe they're not. Maybe I'm wrong, Cuervo. Um, well, I mean, I, I mean, uh, Bortles, Bortles is, is a very uh, – the, the, the comparison is, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, and I, I see a lot of Roethlisberger in him because of his size and things like that. Um, but, I mean, it's it, it – you know, there's a lot of different – things that we hear, but um, I think it's just a lot of a lot of smoke, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, who's really going to come out and say, hey, who, this is who we're going with and actually mean it? So, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of these teams know how to play it right and, and uh, kind of get other teams to think one thing, but then uh, they wind up doing something else. So, uh, I mean, the Raiders aren't going to go quarterback. They, they've already got, they got their guy in Matt Schaub, so... Um, you know, but but as far as Bortles, Trey, I mean, I I can very well see him wind up. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think. I see Atlanta's number six. I'm trying to think who's who's after that, but he's going to be the second quarterback taken, I think, because you know there's going to be a team out there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they just they just re, they just picked up 61-year-old Josh McCown, though, Tarvin. I mean, he's going to be the franchise for a while. Yeah, I doubt that. (laughs) (laughs) 61-year-old Josh McCown. Boy, oh, boy. It's a a good position to play if you're that old. Ask Brett Favre, he knows. Yeah. I don't know if you you saw Trey D. Ford's projected up at 27 to New Orleans. What do you think about D Ford playing an outside linebacker position in the NFL? Uh, that'll be interesting to see. I'm not. I'm not sure. It depends on the system whether I believe that would work out. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on that either. Um, but this is by far the most interesting draft that I've seen in a long time. And you know, it's not quarterback heavy, but there's some there's some bait out there. Who's gonna Who's going to get that fool's gold? Who's going to buy it first? And I, I have a feeling Oakland's going to be that team that's probably like 
like Cuervo said, screws this whole entire draft up. But, guys, anything before we go? I've got to run. I apologize. Uh, something came up. I'm not feeling too well right now. So uh, anything you all want to talk about before we go real quick? No, man. My kid's screaming too, so I'll let you guys go. All right, Cuervo. Um, we'll talk to you soon, and uh, you all have a great week, Trey. See ya. All right. You too. Woo!